Hello, and welcome to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the mostess, Bree James. Welcome back to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast. I'm Bree James, and on today's episode, I have the amazing opportunity to chat with the animation director of the beloved children's show Bluey. Now, I love Bluey. It is the best show ever. My kids love it. They do the little Bluey dance. So this is very exciting to be doing this podcast today. But what's more exciting is Beth's going to give us some insights on how she ended up being an animator because it's a really interesting journey. And, you know, many of us don't know how to help our children if that's something that they are interested in. So Uh, She's going to talk us through her journey in the world of animation, and she's going to share how we can inspire the younger generation who may be interested in this career path. And we're also going to chat to her about her new book, The Bark Book, which is really cute as well. Let's get her on Zoom. It's time to get to class. So you have a very exciting job, one that I think uh, many of us, uh, as the animator of Bluey, you know, what an incredible job. When did you know you wanted to become an animator? Um, I actually knew at the age of 15 that I wanted to be an animator. I'd just recorded on tape a Studio Ghibli film from SBS, and afterwards they had a bit of a behind-the-scenes documentary about working in the studio. And that was when I realised that I could draw for a living uh, instead of just doing something like architecture or interior design, which didn't seem, uh, well, it had no characters or anything like that. And so then I just started to buy a bunch of animated films, predominantly Pixar and Disney ones, that had all the behind the scenes specials. And I would watch them constantly. So they'd show snippets of what it was like to work in the studio And from then on, I just thought, all right, I'm hooked. I want to learn how to be a 2D animator and uh, work in film and TV. Wow. Because, I mean, I guess many of us parents and I guess kids too, we watch all these animations and uh, we absolutely adore, um, you know, shows like Bluey. And you often wonder, like, how do they do it all? So how did you get into the career? Because obviously it's one of those things that we just watch and and, uh, admire and observe, but you know, you don't really look under the hood and go, well, how do you actually do that for a job? And what does that actually look like? And how do you get into it? Yeah, I I can definitely understand that because when you look at the show, you don't realise that someone is actually creating it. It seems so natural that these characters are acting. Uh, But pretty much from when I was 15 and I decided, I told my parents that I wanted to become an animator and they were completely on board with it. They immediately said, okay, what do you need to do to become one? I had no interest in 3D. Uh, I only really wanted to work in 2D, the cartoon style of animation. So I ended up doing an online course while I was at school uh, and it was just through a tape. And so it was just in the evenings, I'd do a couple of hours. Uh, And then after that, I entered an animation competition and came runner up. And from there, one of the prizes was actually getting a, uh, a ticket to an acting for animators workshop. Uh, and then from then on, I went to uni and uh, I didn't just leave uni though and walk straight into a job. I, it really took me two years before I got my first job. Sorry, you can probably hear her barking in the background. She's very excited for you, your dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You work with Bluey, you know, so it's all fine. Yeah, yeah. Dogs <laughs> are my life right now. And so yeah, she's yeah, yeah. barking. But anyway, um, 
so yeah, I didn't just leave uni and walk into a job. It took me two years uh, before I got my first one. And the first job that I got was actually in London. And it all happened because the guy, there was um, this one guy, Tim Farrenbach, who ended up being my episode director. But uh, he saw my stuff online on my portfolio website and sent me an email saying that he loved my timing in animation, loved my style. And would I like to go over and work on Mr. Bean, the second animated series? And so for a first first job, that was pretty damn good. And I couldn't believe it because uh, when I was 15, I had been watching it on TV and thinking, gosh, I can't believe this show came out now. Like, I'd love to work on this. But um, then I did. I got to work on it, which was amazing, uh, the second series. So after that job, for me, the ball just kept rolling. And I then worked um, for an Irish company and came back to Australia and worked on uh, some other shows as well. Wow, what an incredible journey. I love Mr Bean. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the cartoon was so much fun. It was a, it was another big crew, kind of like Bluey. It was a big crew in London. So um, there was so much to learn uh, as a first, first time animator there. Yeah, wow. So what does your day look like then? Um, you know, it's obviously, you know, being an animator, what does that look like? Uh, a lot of time, uh, so right now I'm an uh, animation director and so it's very different from being an animator but as an animator you, you kind of, you have your brief for an episode and uh, you all talk about how the characters are going to act, what the general um, feel of the episode is and then you get an allocation of frames and then from there you work through your frames and get them checked by your animation director and your uh, director and um, yeah, you kind of all uh, sit down, <laughs> kind of put your headset on and just start animating. Um, you've got the audio track, you've got the characters and, and you work to that. And so there's very much a specific style for each show uh, and you try to stay within that realm of uh, style and character that you've already set up so um knowing the kind of antics that the characters or the personality traits that they have you really need to tap into that so we're all a bit um want to be actors really (laughs) (laughs) i love it so what's it like working on bluey because it's such an incredible animation oh uh it's a it's a dream come true to work on a show like this uh, cause it's an absolute hive of creatives. Uh, there are so many inspiring and artistic and humble people that you work with that we spend all day discussing how the characters should act, uh, what facial expressions they should pull. We've got art directors who just create these gorgeous backgrounds and iconic backgrounds as well in a very specific style and storyboarders uh, who give us that blueprint for the show. So it's it's a hub of creativity. And um, I'd always said at uni that I wanted to make great cartoon shows for kids. And to look at the one that I'm working on now uh, is just unbelievable, really. Yeah, incredible. Mm. So how long does it take to pull one episode together? Oh, from, from start to finish, uh, it's quite a long time because you've got the script writing, uh, the storyboarding, um, which is uh, the first round of drawings, and that, that in itself takes three weeks to get that from script to board. And then there's cutting it into an animatic, so they time it out uh, with audio. And so you've got to also record all the characters. 
And then for animation only, character animation, it's a four-week process. Uh, and then you've got, um, but before that, you've got art direction and design and background. So uh, as a whole, I'm pretty sure each episode, I can't quite quote me on this because I'm in a very certain area, very specific area, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's, a, it's around about two, three months an episode, but we, we, we work in a staggered schedule so so each episode each each week we're kind of finishing up in different departments that's incredible so like one episode of bluey which is what it's a 30 minute show could take say 1000 hours of staff hours to, to produce or yeah. more longer yeah. by the sounds of it yeah yeah it can it's a, it's a lot of work that goes into it and so it's really quite rewarding to see uh how much people love this show and how much they relate to it as well yeah Mm. incredible because I think sometimes you know as consumers we don't realize how much work goes on behind the scenes you just see the finished product and you go oh that's lovely I loved it but you know the the blood the sweat the tears the you know the amount of incredible amount of time to produce that one episode that's just extraordinary yeah yeah so now you're illustrating books yes wow so how did that come about uh, well, not unlike my entrance into the animation industry, but a wonderful woman called Cran, who is the head of Australian, Australian Children's Publishing at HarperCollins, uh, she found me online. Uh, this time it was through my Instagram. Originally, she was quite interested in the comic strips that I create about me and my dog called Winnie and Boo. And uh, we were talking about that. But then she brought up that there was this book that she thought my style, my watercolour style would really suit. It was also about a dog. So um, <laughs> I've gone from Bluey and owning a dog and making comic strips about it to having a, a book now to illustrate about a dog. Uh, so I'm getting pretty good at uh, working uh, in the art style to do with dogs. But um, funnily enough, it was only two months before she had contacted me where I was investigating how to get into illustrating for kids. And uh, it looked like quite a long-winded process of submitting a portfolio and um, potentially finding an agent and that sort of thing. And so when she contacted me, I couldn't believe that this opportunity had popped up. And so the Bark book, it couldn't have been more perfect for my first picture book because they really just wanted my style that I was already doing outside of other work. And, and then that that rolled on up and, and the second book has also occurred, uh, which is more of a novel for older kids. That's amazing. So tell me, it's called The Bark Book. Tell me a little bit about it. Uh, so The Bark Book is mostly about a dog and it's different types of barks, but there's a symmetry between the dog's bark and the bark of a tree. So um, it's quite simple in its writing, but it's extremely expressive. So it's, it's got, um, like if you're talking about um, the dog has a sad bark, uh, but then hidden in the background, we've got elements like there's a hidden tree um, that has a sad face in it. So, uh, or if there's a, a kind of like a rough bark, the dog's kind of got a rough bark. There's also the rough tree bark. And so in the background is a really scratchy looking tree. So it's it's seeing that symmetry between the animal and the environment. 
Yeah, that's, that's so cool because you showed me a bit of the book and it looks amazing. Um, yeah. Your illustrations are incredible. So yeah. what's the process for you working out what to, you know, to paint? Because is, is this painting or is that drawing or is it a bit of both? Yeah, yeah drawing, it's drawing, um, it's digital drawing. Uh, so we've done it all digitally and um, it was meant to look like it was done traditionally with watercolour. But I think when you do it digitally, you can uh, pick uh, more printer-friendly colours. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the case. That's how what I assume. Uh, but first off, I was given the manuscript and, and really told to just kind of go for it and whatever I wanted to draw, just, just send that through. So I started sketching out different ideas, playing with layout and composition and mostly just drawing really endearing uh, dog behaviour that I thought would be entertaining. Uh, so I went back and forth with HarperCollins, uh, the publishers, and they also sent that stuff on to the author, Victoria McKinley. And we went back and forth working on what type of drawings, like they really wanted that watercolour feel. And so uh, I did the first round of roughs for the whole book, um, just really sketchy, uh, delivered that and found out that the author uh, had a very specific idea of how she saw that symmetry between the dog and the tree. Uh, I didn't have those elements in there to begin with. It hadn't really been communicated. And so um, that, for example, there is a page in there uh, that has the dog leaping into its owner's arms for a hug bark. And in the background, you've got all these tree vine hugging. And so that sort of thing, I didn't know that that's what they were after. And so Victoria being as organised as she was, she sent through... A uh, collection of ideas for each page and put together kind of like a Pinterest board of, of what she had hoped we could communicate through the book. And that direction, it actually really helped me understand her book idea. And without that, it wouldn't have the same feel. So I'm quite, I'm really glad she was able to talk, speak up, like and, and say yeah. it was quite right. And so I added a couple of my own little elements in there as well when I realised what she wanted. And so on the end pages, when you first open the cover, uh, the front cover or the back cover, there's this, this beautiful watercolour tree and hidden within it are these bone motifs. So in the, in the gaps between all the leaves or on the tree trunk, there's like little bone designs. And so it's a bit of a Where's Wally addition there. Uh, but uh, when I sent that through, Victoria really loved that. So I got to add and contribute to her idea, which was really enjoyable. That's amazing because I guess, you know, two creatives working together, you've both got different visions of things. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I can't wait to see the book in, in its hard form. So how long did it take you to finish that uh, illustrations for a book? Yeah, uh, I worked on a pretty tight deadline uh, as I was illustrating two books at once. So the Bark book and the other one I mentioned, the novel, um, it was called The School for Talking Pets uh, by Kellyanne Hawkins. And so two at the same time, I started sketching up ideas in September of last year and then delivered the final artwork in January this year. So I think it was around about four months in total. Uh, and I don't know if it's usually that quick or whether it's, it's dependent on which book you're working on, whether they have a longer time frame. But I work really well to deadlines and coming from animation, you learn to work really fast. And so I, I enjoyed a very quick turnaround and sending my uh, roughs and cleans through and having that feedback come back 
and doing fixes when, when needed. It was, it was a good process. I can see you absolutely love what you do for a living and I can see that you've had some amazing uh, opportunities thrown your way because of obviously your uh, amazing talent. What advice have you got for parents listening that they've got children that, you know, obviously are artistic and, you know, maybe want to have a look at the similar career in animation and illustration? What sort of advice have you got for, for the parents and kids listening right now on what they should do? Uh, it's probably something that a lot of creators and artists will say is just to draw and to keep drawing. Um, even when your drawings aren't good, uh, there's there's always tutorials to follow online and you can you can have a look online especially if their parents help uh, you can find tutorials on how to learn to animate and learn to illustrate in a specific style and it's it definitely is about practice and I think that the only way to get better is to put time into it and but to chase a career in animation illustration it's it can be quite difficult to get into so you do have to uh, follow through and, and, and chase it up and I think uh, for me you know I was kind of on the edge of um, I was struggling to get in uh, to the industry and and I think there's a certain time frame where, where which people not give up but they they've tried their best and so I think it takes a bit of perseverance but once once you do make it in and, and a lot of the time you start, you can start quite low. Like you might just be a runner in a studio or maybe you're, you start out kind of uh, organizing files or um, even starting on the front desk, you know, then I think once you're in, you can then meet people and, and show them your work and work your way up. I feel like I got a little bit lucky being found online and and but I think that's the best way to put your your artwork out there and stuff is shared so much more frequently now that I think there's a bigger chance of being seen online um, but if you chase it I think it's really 100% worth the effort because to be able to love what you do every day I believe that makes you a happier person in general because we spend five out of seven days at work and uh, to look forward to getting up every day to go to work I think yeah, it makes life more enjoyable. Absolutely. Mm. So what about kids that don't feel like they're great at drawing? Um, yeah. You mentioned, you know, there's lots of online tutorials. Have you got a favourite? Um, I don't currently have a favourite. There are so many good ones out there. But first of all, I do want to say that I was one of those kids. I actually wasn't very good at drawing. Uh, a lot of the time people will say to me, you must have been great at drawing as a kid. And I can guarantee you that I wasn't. I only decided at the age of 13 that I wanted to be good at drawing and uh, I, I wanted to be as good as my dad because he was very artistic and, and still is. And so one Christmas holidays, I just spent my entire six-week break just asking my dad questions, getting him to show me how to how to draw. He started with the basics as well and he would teach me to look for shapes and objects and environments and, and I always thought this is pointless dad I just want to draw characters but uh, the basics are really important and so I can't thank him enough for that but then online like there are so many people who uh, will record themselves drawing and and they will talk about their uh, decision making process or um, you know, it can be traditional artwork, drawing on paper or doing digital artwork, but they will put it up on YouTube or there's a couple of different websites um, where 
you can pay like a subscription to follow a couple of courses. And I mean, for young kids, I think that they there's nothing wrong with copying people's artwork. If they want to learn to draw in a certain style, then they can copy and practice that that person's style uh, and, and not trace it, but just look at it and draw it on paper. Because I found that when I did that as a kid, I learned a lot about line quality and color choice and framing and and I had to learn to try and get their look using my own techniques so and I don't think that kids should stick to one style like they don't have to find a style and only work in that one style uh, there are plenty of people that have told me I don't have one distinct style especially when you look at my website or my Instagram it looks like six people have contributed uh, but because of that I think because I have a distinct style across different mediums, um, it kind of gave me an opportunity to work on two different books at different times because they wanted two different styles. So um, I wouldn't stick to any hard and fast rule uh, as long as they're having fun uh, drawing and just improving. Uh, they'll naturally improve the more they draw. Because another thing is... Uh, Kids will probably get frustrated, I imagine. I know that I did. There were a lot of tears when I was younger because I wanted to be better at drawing than I was at the time. Uh, but it all came down to practice for me. And just like any other skill, I think playing an instrument or learning, uh, getting involved in the sport or learning to read and write, it's a, drawing is a skill that you need to practice at. And I think kids will create bad art and they'll do a lot of it, but they'll learn from it. And then with perseverance, I think they'll definitely improve. So you obviously love your job. What's the number one thing that you love? What is it that you love about getting up every day? Because I think, you know, so many people are looking for that thing that they can be passionate about and you're oozing with passion. So. <laughs> um, it's hard to pick just one thing, to be honest, because uh, because it's so varied. And that's probably the positive is my whether I'm animating or I'm animation directing or illustrating, I get to work on so many different projects with, different creative individuals and I think that it never gets boring and that's the enjoyable part is you're constantly thinking about the next project that you're going to work on and but for the ones that we are working on they're really clever and entertaining stories especially with Bluey um, they just don't it's not like they resonate with kids alone. It's, it's parents as well, or even just adults, even if you don't have kids. Um, sometimes I think you see in the stories the experience and the life that you've had. Uh, and so it kind of resonates with everyone. But in my animation director role, I do really enjoy helping animators to improve on their skills and teach. And I like teaching them new techniques. Uh, it's a very creative role, but it's also very much a person-to-person -person role and so lots of interaction throughout the day and so you do kind of have to be a bit of a people person even though we sit on computers for most of the day <laughs> yeah now I, I love there was one last thing that you said which was mm. you know you were, you were lucky but I think one of the things that you've done amazingly well is you've chased every opportunity that's come your way but you also you know, you had your portfolio online and you started your own Instagram and, you know, you made sure you were sharing your work. And even if you, uh, you got the training and you, you know, you got all those skills, but you just kept working on it and putting mm -hmm. your work out there so that, you know, naturally people came towards you because they could see that you were so passionate about what you did. Yeah. Thank you, Bri. Yeah. I, I, I would have to agree with you. I think 
I, I do tend to say that I am lucky because I do feel lucky, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's something to be said for uh, putting your work out there and, and not being too precious about it. It can, it can be really hard as a creative person to say that something is complete or finished and half the time most people just want to see sketches. They want to see how you create something and so by putting it all online, um, people get to see your process behind how you create something and um, that's interesting and that's why I think I found as a kid I was, and still as an adult, I find all the behind the scenes footage of whether it's just artists or animators or filmmakers, like that stuff is fascinating uh, to, to watch and so by seeing people's ideas when they post online, you're kind of getting a glimpse into that as well. Well, I think what you've achieved at your young age, Beth, is extraordinary. So uh, keep up the great work and uh, you should be really proud of what you've achieved. And, um, yeah, it's very inspiring for children and parents listening right now that, you know, because I think the world's changed. Like for many of us, uh, you know, born in the 80s, you know, you had to prove yourself on a work-to-work point of view, um, whereas now you can put your work online and, you know, you get opportunities come your way. So I think, you know, it's an exciting time for our children that, you know, the, the world's their oyster, really. Yes, yes. And I think the last thing that I, I would say as well in regards to uh, choosing an area to work in as well is I know that I was definitely pushed uh, at one point that I should go into 3D because that was that was the, the it thing at the time. Yeah, yeah, 3D animation. And I, I remember thinking that actually I wanted to make the cartoon style stuff and I thought it'll probably be like fashion, you know, it'll come around again and people will get sick of seeing the same 3D stuff uh, that they'll want to see 2D. And so I think that if there's a, a style or an area in which people want to follow, uh, that they shouldn't only go with what's currently on trend because it will pass. So, yeah. Yeah, great advice. What old, is old is new again. Yes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Beth, for your time today and for giving an insight into what it's like uh, being an animator, especially, you know, that bit of behind the scenes um, advice you've given us on Bluey. Um, thanks so much for being on the show today. Is there any other parting advice you'd like to give to everyone today? Not really, just that if you love drawing, then just do it. Any opportunity you've got, even if it's five minutes to down do a bit of a sketch uh draw something that you see it doesn't have to be out of your imagination it can just be the plant in front of you or the cup on the desk um yeah i think uh just enjoy enjoy the process of drawing because it's uh it's quite a therapeutic way to unwind <laughs> great advice thanks so much beth thank you if you're loving the pack mag parenting podcast then you'll love our other channels Follow Pack Mag on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. It's a wrap. What did we learn on today's show? Thank you so much, Beth Harvey. What an amazing interview. What an amazing lady. Now, here's some of the perfect takeaways to help your little one follow their passion into animation and illustration. Now, number one was to draw, draw, and draw. Re remember to encourage your child to keep drawing, even if they feel like giving up, because practice makes perfect. And like Beth said, she wasn't a pro from the start. Her illustrations took a lot of practice and mistakes to become what they are today. Number two is that if your child does have a passion for animation or illustration, there are plenty of online resources to help them pursue this dream. So from TAFE courses to uni to workshops and online courses, 
your child can explore multiple paths to guide them into the future career that they want. So make sure you dive in and have a bit of a check out of some of the resources that she mentioned. Now, the last one was to check out Beth's new book, The Bark Book, which is a fun story your kids will love. And the link will be in the show notes for that one too. Well, that's the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned a little bit more about how Blue is created and how to get your child into a career of animation or illustration. A big thank you to Beth Harvey for coming onto the show. She was amazing. Until next time, though, parents, happy parenting. And don't forget to tell everybody you heard it on PacMag. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you want to be an expert guest or you've got a weird, wacky or wonderful product to share, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at pacmag.com.au. This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website, pacmag.com.au.